Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It was a joyful place to work. I have to say that. It That's was amazing. Joyful. That's not always the case. No, it was joyful. It is a family. When I say that, if you have done Mamma Mia on Broadway on the tours, like no other show I've ever done, it's a family. I'm not quite wow. sure why that is. I think it's the nature of the show and the joy that it brings people, but mm-hmm. it really and truly is a family. Welcome, everybody, to a musical theater podcast where we discuss the cultural and emotional impact of some of our favorite musicals in theater history. My name is Jeffrey Scott Parsons. You can call me Jeff. Today, we are talking Mamma Mia, which was a theater request. Yes, that's right. We are sponsored. This episode is sponsored by Five Star Theatricals in Thousand Oaks, California. They are returning to live performance with an exciting production of Mamma Mia!, that will run two weeks beginning October 15th. It stars Broadway veteran Kim Huber as Donna, who we'll hear from later on in the episode. Judy, don't you, do you know Kim? I feel like she well, said you guys work together. We worked, yeah, I think, I'm not sure what we did together, but we, we know each other. <laughs> we, anyway, she's awesome. She said to tell you hi. Tell her hi um, back for me. I'm glad she's doing it. Before we hear from uh, Kim, I get to introduce our amazing guest whose voice you just heard. I don't always use detailed notes to introduce our guest, P.S., Judy, but um, I needed them for you. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay, good. You guys, she is basically the Yule Brenner of Mamma Mia. (laughs) (laughs) But like only if Yule Brenner had played the king and I. There you go. Right? Okay, she starred as Donna for three and a half years and as Tanya for seven and a half years, which means she performed Mamma Mia over 4,000 times on Broadway. It makes her the longest running lead in Mamma Mia history. She also has an amazing career with lots of other things that we're going to talk about. We're so lucky to have her. Everyone, please welcome Judy McClay. Hi there. Hi there. Wow, Yul Brenner. Okay. Right? I guess I better shave my head. What? <laughs> please don't. You got that gorgeous blonde hair. <laughs> Judy, I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for taking time from your busy schedule you bet, to you talk bet. to me. Absolutely. Um, so talk to me, number one, about how how things are. Like, what have you been up to since... Well, it's been a little crazy, hasn't it? You know, yeah, I'm, yeah, I've actually been busy during this pandemic. It's been actually kind of crazy um, trying to update our sound systems and uh, doing videos for concerts and things like that. It's, so you end up being, you know, the lighting person, the you know, the caterer, <laughs> the, the hair and makeup and, you know, Have everything. we ever been more grateful for our <laughs> Our sound and, and tech crew and yes. everybody else, our IATSE guys. I'm so, yeah, I've never been so eager to get back to them in fact i just did a concert on saturday and i think i was so appreciative of just being live and not having to record oh. myself that was the other thing besides just performing it was great of but course. um my teaching has i do a lot for a lot of universities i go out to universities and doing them over zoom right now purdue and wagner college and other places um so that's been really great and then i had like a great surprise i had just closed right before the pandemic we were in tech rehearsals for a show called romeo and bernadette off broadway a brand new show and uh, we had done a short run um, on 54th Street, but we were opening, opening at a theater on 42nd. And, you know, obviously we all closed down on the March 13th. But I ended up getting an Outer Critics Circle Award for it, which was really like Come in the middle on, of the pandemic. Right? In the middle of the pandemic, I thought, wow, that's, a, that's just really fun. It's a really fun show. It's, it's um, 
kind of Romeo and Juliet meets um, the mafia. And maybe like, it's almost like Moonstruck, that kind of musical. It's very fun and heartwarming. And I get to sing legit, which I don't, you know, that's my background. Ooh. I come from a classical background anyway. Do you really? I, I didn't do. know that. I do. Yeah, I started off. Wow. That's how I got my degree as a classical singer. And then I started belting and that was the end of that. Everybody just said, <laughs> she doesn't, but she's, a, she's not she's legit. Not gonna she's, that, no, she's, she's not going to do that. Stuff. She's going to be a belter. So that's how I made my living forever. But yeah, so, so it's been, you know, and I bought a car, which is really cool. I get to go For places. a New Yorker, that's a right? big thing. I've always wanted a car. So I've been traveling a lot and seeing family when I can, obviously, when we, you know, I'm vaccinated. And so that's been really great. And now getting to do concerts. I actually did a concert in honor of Jonathan Tunick the other night. And Sondheim was there. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, we just got done. it. We did a Titanic episode recently. Oh, and wow. I You're mean, right? you can't talk about Titanic without Jonathan Tunick. Those orchestrations. What an incredible orchestrator. Right. Yeah. He is, you know, EGOT and... You know, he's just the sweetest man on the planet. So it was fun because his, you know, his buddy turned up, Stephen Sondheim, and we got to, I got to sing Last Midnight for him, which was really cool. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Full I had done the national chills. tour of Into the Woods many years ago as the baker's wife. So it was kind of fun to do the witch for the first time, which is really cool. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, how yeah. fun. And he surprised me then too, which is interesting. My very first show on at the Kennedy Center as the baker's wife, I was going on and after the show, they said everybody stay on stage and then... Uh, the curtain came in and in walked Stephen Sondheim. It was my very first show on as the Baker. <laughs> and I went, oh, my God. So, you know, he surprised me well, this time, too. Well, thank goodness you didn't know I know, and after, I didn't know right? he was there the other night until I went and talked to him afterward. And so that was really great. That was really oh like, okay, good, good, good. That's good. That's crazy. I, how is he? So he's out in public. He's doing he's well. He's out. He, I think he was actually great to be out. He was actually stayed at the party longest of anybody. He and Jonathan were the last people to leave. Shut it down. Right? He shut down the party. So I was like, 91, okay. Killing you know, it. he's, he's, no, he's kicking, you know, he's doing, still doing it. So it's great to amazing. see that. Yeah. Well, you obviously have a, an incredible career and, uh, and legacy outside of Mamma Mia. I first heard of you because of Johnny Guitar, right. which was a really fun off-Broadway show. Uh, can you talk to me though about how Mamma Mia came into your life? Well, it's so funny. Um, you know, it was right after Johnny Guitar. It had just, I had just kind of closed that and, um, People had said for a long time, well, you should do the show. You should go in for the show. And and finally I went in and they brought me in as for Donna, actually. Okay. And so I went in and, you know, got a call back and got a call back as Donna. But then at that point they had cast Carol Lee at, in between time. So, which Carole is great because she's amazing. Yeah, we love her. Come on. She's like my sister. And um, <laughs> so when I went back to the callback, they looked at me and they said, hey, can you just read for Tanya, which I hadn't prepared at all for it. Went out in the hallway with David Grinrod, the uh, casting director from London, and we just kind of read through the scene. He read with me. I went back in, and um, I got cast, called the next day to, to do Tanya, which was just wow. such a turnaround, you know. And I ended up doing it for seven and a half years. And the beauty of Mamma Mia with that is that I still had a symphony career. They would let me go and do my symphony concerts. I was able to go to Pioneer, you know, where you are right now in Utah. Utah. Right? I went to Pioneer to do Next to Normal, and I was still doing Mamma Mia at the time. And so... They would. I kind of was able to keep m another career going at the same time. It was really nutty, and so it was just the gift that gift that kept on giving. So what happened was, I, I was getting ready to leave, Mom and me. I was I was done. It was seven and a half year mark, and I said, you know, it's time. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, and I said, um, 
I'm ready to leave. And they said, no, we, we want you to really sing again for Donna. I was like, yeah, no, I'm done. I was walking with my sisters. I remember they were in town. And I said, they said, what was that about? And I said, what you, were you saying no to? And I said, well, you know, I don't want to go in for Donna. I don't want to sing for them again. I'm done. They're like, no, no, you have to do it. You have to do it. <laughs> I said, uh, okay. Uh. So I said, okay. I went on the down low and, and sang for them again and ended up, you know, doing the role for three and a half, wow. almost four years. So, yeah. And speaking of shutting down the party, like, didn't you, yeah, you closed I it w- out? One of the most amazing nights of my life. I mean, honestly, because I had done over 11 years of Mamma Mia, over 4,000 shows. When I came out, you know, when Donna breaks open the door and she comes with her, you know, the drill and you're in your overalls and you open that door and the audience just didn't oh. stop for a long time and it was so funny prior to the show i said to the last show the audience was crazy because it was filled with all mama mia people that had done the broadway and you know been involved with it it's family yeah fa- totally family and i said went up to my sophie elena um, ricardo and she's just amazing i said we have to do our show we're not mm. we're not doing we're not winging to the audience we're just going to do our show we got to just keep focused on each other and she said, yeah, yeah, okay, good. And then I went over to, to Tanya and the Donna, and I said to the both of them, I said, you know, we're, we're going to do our show. I'm going to count on you guys to just stay focused with me. And I said, great. So I opened the door. Now I'm up there and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to break down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. lose it, right? Because the audience is just not stopping. And I look, I thought, well, I've got to look at my girls. And I look at the Tanya and I look at the, um, the Rosie at the time. <laughs> Their eyes are welling up, and I thought, oh, great. Thanks can't, a lot, can't guys. Can't depend on you at all. Thanks for the support, <laughs> right? So I said, well, I can't look at them. But anyway, it was really a, an amazing <laughs> night. The audience was like raising the roof out of the theater. It, 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 was, it was so remarkable. It was wow. really remarkable. Everybody that knew the show, had done the show over the Broadway years, it was just, it was really a highlight of my life. That is really amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, I have a, a bit of a confession to make to you Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of starting this podcast which was like back in 2019 it feels like another lifetime ago totally i the first thing i released was a trailer that i called the overture in which i introduced like what i was trying to do with the show which is have conversations about the cultural emotional impact of musical theater yeah and and i want to play some of that trailer for you now okay okay And that might mean that I were covering a musical that I don't really care for. I'm looking at you, Mamma Mia. But it's one of the longest running shows in Broadway history. So who am I to say that people aren't connecting to it? So we'll look at it and we'll at least come up with a hypothesis as to why (laughs) people connect to the show. And, you know, I didn't like it when I first saw it. Okay, thank you. (laughs) I didn't like it it when I first saw it. It makes me feel a little hypocritical because here I am doing a show or doing doing an episode about Mamma Mia because someone requested it because I want people to go and see their production. I think you should Oh, absolutely. I I mean, I'm busted. I'm on record as saying that I'm not a huge fan. But here's the thing. The more that I have done research and prep for this episode, the more I have come to respect the show. And I mean it. And I can't help but feel like if you didn't feel the same, you wouldn't have done literally 4,000 performances of it. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think for me, doing the show is more, is actually better than when I saw it. I did not, I I didn't like the show. That's like how I was with Cats. I so, didn't like cats until I did it. And then I was right. like, this is really fun. But you can't deny that it affects people. And there's something that it does to people. And that's what it serves. Hmm. Right? 
there's Absolutely. something that the regular Joe, yeah, all of us theater crew people are going to say, oh, it doesn't this. But as a jukebox musical, some of the ones that followed really weren't as great. No, everybody has tried to do what Mamma yep. Mia got right, and it's yep. actually proven to be much more difficult, difficult than we thought. Than, yeah, and these, 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 they did it. They did it right. They did a lot of things, and I'll talk about that, but I think they did a lot of things that were right about it. So, yeah, no, I, 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 I did. I hated the show when I first saw it. <laughs> I did. I well, did. There you go. But I think that's something valid to talk about. And at the end of the day, I guess it really doesn't matter that I didn't care for it when I first saw it either because no. it's a sensation. And you have to know when you do the show, if you ever do the show, you will change mm-hmm. your tune drastically. Oh, I, I And you'll catch that. on to what other people are getting from it. It's kind of weird. But I know. Are you kidding me? I, that's why, I mean, that's why it's really important for me to know that I have another career prior. I had a major career besides Mama, Ra- Mama Mia, right? Mm-hmm. That's all people you want to... And that's sometimes hard for me because... Um, I, I've done Evita, La Mancha. I mean, I just did master class. I've done wit. I've done major, major women's roles. Then, you know, I just did Sunset. You know, it's just so wow. it's so frustrating to me sometimes that it's like, well, Mama Mia, Mama, and you know, but I've come to embrace it. Yeah, because it's my calling card. It is what it is. People in the business don't you. appreciate it as much. What are you going to do about that? Well, do you know what? I hope that because we have our listeners are just diehards and they're also they've got big open hearts. And so I really feel like after this episode, we're all going to walk away with a new appreciation for the show and what it has done for so many people all over the world. Um, In order to talk about it, though, we got to first talk about ABBA. Right. Right. Now, ABBA is the most successful non-English speaking music group of all time, which I think sometimes we forget English was not their first language. Right. They they learned it by syllable. That's Crazy. how they, phonetically, they learned it phonetically, the girls. And I don't know and if Benny and Bjorn speak English very well. But sure, not, yeah. sure. Now, the name ABBA is an acronym for the first names of the members of the group. Mm-hmm. And help me if I get these uh, this pronunciation wrong. Agneta Faltzkog, Bjorn Ulveus, Benny Ulveus. Anderson, mm-hmm. and Annefried Lingstad. Mm-hmm. Now, have you been? Have you ever been able to meet any of them? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, really? here's the deal. Chess was my first Broadway show. Stop it. No, that's like, what, and that in was the eighties. Yeah, I was a baby. Oh my gosh. And, okay, that's crazy. Yeah, and so I met Bannon Bjorn back then with Tim Rice and and worked with all of them. So wow. it was com- kind of full circle. I mean, that score is an amazing score, right? It's just... It's incredible score. I learned how to belt on that score. And so I understudied Florence, and I ended up doing that show many, many times in the course of my career, uh, doing Florence with all different, with Robbie Marshall and all these different people that, you know, had their interpretation of it. But people don't understand, don't know that score, and they only think, Ab- you know, Abba wrote just the pop stuff, and they have an mm-hmm. amazing catalog in that, you no, know? No, they really, really do. Now, ABBA first gained success by winning Eurovision, which is a singing competition in Europe that Mm -hmm. I think most Americans think is just a Will Ferrell movie. No, it's real. It's real, yeah. And ABBA won it in 1974. And up until that point, Benny and Bjorn had been working together as almost like a Simon and Garfunkel act, right? And they were they like had okay success, but then they added these two women, these women the with blondes. those voices right? and the their energy. Uh-huh. And I mean, I've been watching a lot of old music videos of theirs. Oh, have you? They, yeah, like in prep for this, they kept coming up, and I just went from one to the other because I hadn't seen any of them. And these ladies are so 
I don't want to say serious, but they are so invested in what Very they're invested. doing. Very invested. But once these women join the the guys, I don't know what it was that inspired them, but you you really can't hear or listen to any of their songs without being emotionally moved in some way. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's such a full sound. It's mm-hmm. very orchestral, mm-hmm. but incredibly catchy. Mm-hmm. They use their voices in a way that just kind of, I don't know, it can give you chills and also make you giggle at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? And they can write a hook. Oh my That's, gosh, I mean, can they write a they hook? They can write a hook. You are right, Judy McLean. <laughs> now, the band breaks up in 1982 because they were all married to each other. And those marriages eventually broke apart and they decided they needed to go separate ways. But like you said, Benny and Bjorn kept working together and they almost immediately turned their sights to musical theater. And Mm -hmm. then that's how Chess was born. Now, we've already done an episode on Chess and I highly recommend our listeners go back and listen to it if they haven't already. It was a huge hit in the UK and a flop on Broadway. Oh, please don't say it like that. But look, the, the <laughs> well, F word is not a bad word. No, on our it was podcast. really a sad and unfortunate thing what happened. I mean, we were, it was a really tough year. Into the Woods was that year, Phantom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that cast recording is dynamite. Yeah, it didn't even I get nominated, though. It did not even get nominated for a recording. No. For cast recording. Insane. For musical, best musical. And that was, it was, it was really, um, it was the Times, the New York Times of. Um, Frank Rich and he he raked us over the coals and that was really unfortunate. Um, yeah. I think part of it was the set was not the same and the concept was they took too much politics in it. That's the show that everybody wants to try to get right, you know. You're, oh, that's you're exactly right mm-hmm. because you listen to that original concept album and it's so kind of like the ABBA stuff, so orchestral. Yeah, so, but beautiful. then there's this added depth that they as composers really started bringing to musical theater and it actually with Tim Rice with Tim Rice exactly who's you know not so shabby in terms of his musical theater career but this is when I honestly start feeling a little bad for Benny and Bjorn because (laughs) they were really trying to create something super ambitious and meaningful for musical theater you know with like their score for chess and then also later with a show called Christina Christina. which I also love Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until Mamma Mia, which just uses all the songs they didn't write for musicals, that they finally had a hit on Broadway. Right. I feel like that is some like weird karma. I don't know. Weird karma. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Something, something. Yeah. And I, I think because of that, they were, at least from what I understand, they were a little nervous to create Mamma Mia. Oh, very right? much because so, yeah. These songs were not meant to be in a musical, so they had to be convinced. Well, it was Judy Kramer who did the convincing, the producer Judy Kramer, which is really cool. Judy Kramer with this show, you know, she's a woman. She got a woman director. She got a woman writer, book writer. And she herself with the producer is, you know, when she was at a meeting with them, supposedly, the last dinner to convince them, and she was going to max out her credit card. She was buying them dinner. And she said, if they had ordered one more bottle of wine, I was going to max it all <laughs> we out. We were toast. You know, she spent every dr- every last penny. Wow. She knew Tim Rice, and that was her connection to them. So, mm. And she convinced them to do it. And, um, you know, they agreed. And, boy. I mean, she that, became like one of the vision. richest people you know, in, in England and probably around the world now at this point. She paid off those credit cards and then some. Yeah, right. <laughs> and a great lady to boot. Like one of the best, oh, that's best producers I've ever worked for. Yeah. Really? Amazing. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Generous. I'm just so obsessed that this story that features three strong women who like call themselves the Dynamos um, also features a creative team that is their own dynamos. Right. I know? mean, Judy yeah. is a Tanya for sure. She she calls herself that. She used to call, I used to be Tanya, she was, when I first started, she was Tanya one, I was Tanya two. You oh, know, that's she's, funny. She's definitely a Tanya for sure. 
Yeah. Oh, how funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that boss lady. Yeah. Uh, then she gets the British playwright, Catherine Johnson, to mm-hmm. write the script, mm-hmm. who's number two. And then they bring on director Philida Lloyd. Yep. That's how you say her name, right? Yep, Philida Lloyd. Mm-hmm. For all of the eye rolling that I think sometimes we can do in musical theater about Mamma Mia, Philida Lloyd is a serious theatrical director. Yeah. More straight plays she has done than really, you know, than doing musical theater. It's like she wasn't nominated for directing Mamma Mia, but yeah. she was nominated for directing Mary Stewart. Right. Like, you know what I right. mean? Like, it's insane the kind of uh, stuff that she brings to the stage. Yeah. Which makes me think there is something here. There's something at the core of this story that is dramatically worthy of being told. You know, and I think also, you know, theater does a lot of things. It's to move mm-hmm. people and bring people to different levels of whatever kind of... You know, whether it's a serious play, whether it's, you know, you know, going to see Chekhov or where you're going to go see Mamma Mia, everything serves its purpose, right? And there's mm. sometimes, especially this, ha- this was the first Broadway show to open after 9-11. And absolutely. Can we talk about that? Well, now, I wasn't where, there then, yes, but absolutely. I guess this where, is the first Well, winter. I just kind of want to know, where were you during 9-11? I was here in New York. I was actually in okay. New York. And wow. um, yeah, it was a very serious time. You know, uh, it was... Uh, I was actually just finished. I think it just finished doing a show. So I was in between shows at the moment. At that moment, scary. Yeah, it was cra- it was crazy. But that opened, and supposedly Meryl Streep lo- fell in love with it because she saw her daughter smile for the first time after nine eleven when she was watching Mamma Mia. So it really had an impact on her. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! Mm-hmm. This is one of the things that I found most touching about the entire Mamma Mia evolution, is that. It's a big hit in London. Then 9-11 happens. Everything shuts down for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. All of Broadway shuts down. Rudy Giuliani in a really, uh, honestly, a great decision. <laughs> I know. Uh, where's he? Where's that guy? Right. right where's that Rudy Giuliani? <laughs> yeah. He uh, basically tells all the Broadway producers, we need to get theater up Open and going up. as soon as possible. Yeah, David Letterman. So after only 48 that? hours, all of the shows are back up. Right. And for the most part, those shows were the shows that stayed the shows that stayed open were kept open by new yorkers because yeah. there wasn't any tourism during new york after 911 right. Right? right right uh so tale of the allergist wife the producers these types of shows that are like quintessential new yorker type theater mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. are staying alive mm-hmm. uh then mamma mia opens the month after and I really do believe that Mamma Mia is the first musical that brought tourism back to Broadway, the first new musical that brought tourism back to Broadway. Probably. And also, it was just so darn infectious that, like you said, people were smiling and dancing. Yeah. I mean, we needed I mean, something happy cow. after 9-11, right? We all did. Yeah. You know, I think that was the medicine that we all needed at that time. You what know? a gift. Yeah, truly. And I, I can't help but feel like when something speaking of karma, is like that <laughs> full of uh, of joy and mm-hmm. a, a great intention like that. Like, no wonder it ran for freaking mm-hmm. nine years or how like, how long was it? Was it nine? Anyway. Oh, uh, no. T- 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 oh, I was there. T- oh, it's the ninth 15. longest running Broadway ninth show. Broadway, yes. And then, I yeah, tell 14 or 15 years. Yeah, and I was there for 11 of them, so. <laughs> there you go. Crazy. <laughs> I know. Hi, Kim Huber. Hello, Jeffrey Scott Persons. Okay, before we get into this special little section of the episode, you got to tell me your craziest Sunset Boulevard story. Sunset Boulevard story? I know, it has nothing to do with Mamma Mia, and I really try to stay above the okay, drama Okay, I'll tell you the most amazing, this, this is no drama, this is, this is the best day ever. 
Okay. Awesome. Um, and that is that Glenn Close is one of the most amazing humans on the planet. And one day she decided that she would take all the ladies of the ensemble out for just a weekend at her house. And what? She, yes, we had, she had limos lined up for us. We all got into limos, went up to, you know, upstate New York, up to her beautiful cottage of a home, just perfect little home. She, we had, she had dinner ready for us. We dished about her, she, her favorite leading men. We we had a slumber party. She made us popcorn on her stove. Then we all slept in different parts of the house. And then uh, we woke up. She's making us breakfast. And then next thing we know, all these cars show up. And she goes, I thought we'd have a spa day. Oh, and my we gosh. Had manicures and pedicures. And a mas- I had a massage in her bedroom. And just just my shower. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, use her shower. She was down to earth, generous lovely human being just authentic to the core and and um i'll tell you the guys in the ensemble were really mad <laughs> they were of all that so, alone so glenn she, time so we ended up having a fourth of july party at her house but it was she it, incredible so i mean everything about that show was um just first class it was first class just wonderful that's amazing to hear Oh my gosh, I don't think we get enough stories like that from the whole Sunset Boulevard experience. So I'm so happy to hear that. Not really from the cast? Well, no, just just in like the lexicon of musical theater. Oh, but as right? far as the cast goes, um we are forever bonded and not and not through drama, but through just um we were treated so beautifully. Yeah, yeah, and my other crazy story is that um so I covered Alice Ripley in the original yeah. cast and um she got really ill but um but glenn was already out that night so they didn't let alice be out but in right after the first scene she was like i'm out and if in alice back in the day i mean she was just cords of steel she was never out yeah. and so she was like i'm out and so all of a sudden i hear kim hewer down to <laughs> then please oh, come down shit. to stage management I'm like oh dear <laughs> i'd never been on before and then they throw me in the clothes, and Alan Campbell doesn't even know. And I just walk on to, sh- to Schwab's, <laughs> and it's a new person. Neither does like, our, our huh. musical director. And like, here I am, new Betty Shaver. Here she is. It was, I was 22. It was the, it was exciting. Like, now I'd be like, oh, my God, this could be really bad. But, you know, you're 22. You're like, bring, bring me on. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic and terrifying and hilarious. <laughs> Um, as Betty says, I would, uh, want to dig a hole and pull it in after me. Who says that? Betty does. God, God you know the show better than I do. I don't I, remember I listen, it. I've, I've listened to that cast album so many times when she's like, uh, bass is loaded. It's not, there's not much to it. And then he said, uh, meet Joe Gillis. He wrote it. And he said, oh, nice to meet you. And she says something like, I wish I could say the same, but I'd rather dig a hole and pull it in after me. Oh, my gosh. That, that completely left my brain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for indulging me in that. Sure. Now, as I said earlier, this episode is sponsored by Five Star Theatricals, which is located in Thousand Oaks, California. And they are returning to live performances at last at the beautiful and enormous Covley Theater with their production of Mamma Mia. I love performing at that theater. There's so much space backstage. You just feel like you can move in. 
Mamma Mia was originally supposed to happen in 2020, but we all know how that went down. So now it's finally happening October 15th through 24th. It's just two weeks of performances. And starring as Donna in this production is Broadway veteran. You've already heard her because we just had an entire conversation. And a future guest on the podcast. Don't worry, I've already made sure that's going to happen. Everyone, please welcome Kim Huber. Yay! Okay, Kim, thanks so much for chatting with us. You guys are already in rehearsal, so I'm not going to take a whole bunch of your time, but how's it going? Oh, it's so much fun. I mean, it's, you know, not not only is the show wonderful, but just the whole idea of being in the rehearsal room with everybody. We did a table read the first day, and they started singing. How luxurious. I know, right? But there's a couple new cast members just to hear, you know, how how it all goes together with all these folks. But we, the um, Nicolette, who plays my daughter, started singing "Thank You for the Music," and we all just started crying. I mean, just to hear music together in a room with the piano and friends, and it's just magical. That's fantastic. Not to mention, you've got a hunky soap star to make out with. Oh. You know, actually, the strangest thing about COVID has been some of the rehearsals where people um, where people kiss with masks on. <laughs> it's so, it's so oh my gosh, I hadn't even thought of that. It's so 2021. I was like, oh my gosh, this is one of these weird <laughs> memories. But, uh, you know, we'll take it instead of doing it on Zoom. I'll say that. And you and Donna have a lot in common. Not, <laughs> I guess not a lot in common. Not really. But, <laughs> uh, but you uh, both have daughters around the same age, right? Yeah. Uh, my daughter, just within one year, my daughter's 21 and um, Sophie is 20 in the show. So yeah. Yeah. And How has that get- been to like age into roles that have these maternal relationships? It, it's funny because it doesn't feel like age into it feels just normal because it's like I get to tell mm. part of the human experience of where I am right now. I'm a mom awesome. of, a, of a daughter that's that age. So it just feels natural. You know, it, awesome. Remember yeah. when I was younger playing older parts like, oh, I have to act a certain way. And now, you know, I just get to be myself, you know. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's so true. Of, yeah. I feel the same way about playing straight people where I'm like, oh, I'm. <laughs> I have to be a straight guy now. <laughs> and sometimes it's even scarier to be more yourself. I mean, um, it's an interesting thing to learn. I mean, it, it's kind of a duh, but as I'm older, it's like you still feel 20, except for when I'm tired at the end of the show. <laughs> but <laughs> but well, you still like, feel oh, the shoot, same. The mega still, yeah, you know. That's so sweet. Okay, now, uh, before we wrap up, what do you think the perfect evening of going to see Mama Mia at Five Star Theatricals would look like? Oh my goodness. Um, I'm not a party planner. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> However, I think, I think it's not so much that I think you have to go to the beach before. Like, I feel like you have to like feel Ooh. the sun, smell the waves, feel Malibu kind of that. Is pretty close. Yeah, to, it's really close. I can't you know, feel, feel that really great that, you know how you, that really great shower you have after you go to the beach where you just feel so fresh and so ready and then go get some Greek food, go yes, get some Greek, get food, the Greek food and um, eat outside, have like one drink. And then if, if that's your thing sure. and then go ready to just relax and have a, a really, really fun time and be ready to be a little bit moved because it's about family and friends and community and all the things we really crave right now. And I think you're, and wow. then you'll be up on your feet at the end. It never fails. I'm sold. I'm sold. Okay. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people who go to Mamma Mia, they're like girls and girlfriends and like, well, let's have a girls night out. We'll go to Mamma Mia. And I was like, okay, for me, I would get, a bunch of my musical theater friends together and we would create Mamma Mia bingo boards. 
<laughs> like bingo cards. And yes. it would be like the, the squares would say like audience member singing along or uh, hot shirtless chorus boy, things like that. And you just kind of keep it in your program and you like cross them off as they happen to you. And then once you get bingo, you try and work it into your experience as an audience member. So like <laughs> at a, at like a joke, you're like, oh, bingo. Yes. And then everybody else in your party realizes that you just got bingo on the Mamma Mia bingo board. Yes. And, you know, it really goes good with Waterloo. Bingo! <gasps> so you can... <laughs> That's so true. I'm just saying. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but if you hear anybody yell "bingo" during your run, you I'll can know they me. listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, changing lives here, people. Um, thank you so much, Kim. I'm so excited for you guys. This sounds like such a fun time. I am on record as not being a huge fan of the show, but uh, I'm really excited. Oh no, you're gonna have the best time. It's yeah. you're gonna have the best time. Like we are having so much fun in rehearsal and it's such a spectacular cast and the singing is great, the dancing, the choreography. I'm I'm a musical theater purist and I love me some Sondheim and I'm very I I get sticklery about my musicals, but I gotta say this this one sure has won me over. It really has. Wow. So I really, I really as a piece and then especially as this production. So please come. Thank you so much and break all the legs. All right, thank you. Here's the thing. I don't think Catherine Johnson had an easy job at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> this woman what book had to... does. <laughs> right. Well, fair enough. Right. Good point. But she had to write a script using songs with titles like Voulez-vous, right. Mamma Mia, right. Chiquitita, right. Dancing like, Queen. I mean, it's not the most simple task in no. the entire world. What she was able to do, I think, is really smart because, number one, whether she did it consciously or subconsciously, she recognized what generation was introduced and moved by this group and by this music in the first place. And then crafted a story that is basically a mother and daughter with a huge generational divide. Mm -hmm. You've got Donna, who is full on traditional women's lib. Right. I'm not interested Mm -hmm. in getting married. Mm -hmm. I'm going to raise my daughter by myself. Right. Very much a woman of the time when ABBA was coming, Mm -hmm. you know, so Mm -hmm. all of these all of these people who are coming to see Mamma Mia know exactly who this woman is. is. Right. 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 And then she has given birth to this daughter who has decided to have a white wedding at the age of 20. And she's like, what? Where did I go wrong? Right. 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 (laughs) Right. And in the process of this young girl essentially looking for herself, right, in in right, this right. in this wedding, in this marriage possibility, mm-hmm. she has decided she wants to know who her father is because that has never been spoken of, uh, that hasn't really been ever approached. And so she finds she has found her mother's diary in which there are three separate entries mm-hmm. that allude to one of these men being her father. So she sends wedding invitations to them to come to the island. Oh, by the way, we're on a, we're on a make-believe island island in Greece, everybody. I know, right? (laughs) Fantastic. Do you know why they picked Greece? That seems so random. I don't actually. I don't. It it really gives the show its its own look. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The beauty of it, I guess the colors and maybe, I don't know. 
so th- she invites these three three men. Now the show, the kind of the opening number of the show is the ABBA song "Honey, Honey," mm-hmm. in which Sophie is talking to her two friends and you know filling them in on this Mm -hmm. plot this is the number one moment when i'm like red flag something's wrong here she's singing honey honey about her father's her possible fathers but is she singing as though she's her mom thinking about you know what i mean like she's reading from the book right so she's actually saying you know, she's reading it as her mother's reading. Honey, honey, how I, right? Okay, so she's okay. Doing it, she's kind of doing it as her mom because she's reading the exact quotes her mother said. Dot, okay, dot, the dot. first you time the I question. saw it, I was like, this is creepy. What's, I don't no, get it. No, 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 no. She's not doing it to her father's. No, okay, that sure makes not. sense. So she's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's playing the part of her mother to right. try and figure out what is happening. Right. Thank you for, <laughs> if anybody goes to see the show or when you all go to see the show, how about that? You'll you'll ha- you'll be right, better right. informed than I was. Right. So after this, after Honey Honey, where do we go to? We then we meet Donna, right? Yeah. Yep. Now tell me about her. God, you're gonna, I, you're I gonna did... test me now. It's been now no, six no, years since I closed the show. My goodness. I've got my I've got Great. my cheat okay, notes good, up here. Good, Don't good, worry. Good, good, good. So tell me about Donna. Uh, I did my little thing, but you obviously lived in her shoes. Oh gosh, you know, um, like you said earlier, you know, independent, strong, strong willed. Um, tough right but Mm. with a great heart you know that's like she's the underneath she's got the great heart and um and and her daughter loves her daughter extremely that's it's her life right that she she built this taverna by herself and you know has a lost love and was hurt and probably never invested in it again was too busy raising Mm. running the taverna and and raising her daughter so you know she's a single mom you know and so that's a kind of appeals to a lot of people i think because that's a tough job Raising a, a child. So she built this hotel. Mm-hmm. That was actually the plans of the guy she was dumped by, supposedly dumped, right? Right, right, right. right. Supposedly. And so not only is she running this hotel, she's maintaining the hotel. Mm-hmm. Like when we meet her, she's got a drill and overalls. Right, right, and, right, right, right. And this is when I think Katherine Johnson, the book writer, really understands how to incorporate the audience into the experience of the show yeah because starting with money 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 mm-hmm. the songs become a joke not saying that you guys don't play it no completely yeah, we're not playing seriously. it for the jokes at all you're not yeah, playing yeah, it yeah. for a joke but the fact that you this woman is having money problems and then goes into and you hear oh, that right yeah everybody goes crazy right there, I'm sure there's like a wink wink all the time during we're not playing it like that and we never played it like that but there is a wink wink for sure here's this song how this fits in you know and I, th- I think that that's one of the things that the audience loves most mm-hmm. is okay how are they going to fit this song yeah. in and yeah. it's up to and I think that this is a great note to anybody out there any theater companies any community theaters that are doing Mamma Mia you gotta play it seriously or you else do. then it's not funny uh, or else it's not it won't be yeah, really. They these are real, true people that are have real feelings, and you got to play it for that, right? Absolutely. Coming from someone who did it four thousand times, I can't get over this, Judy. I know, <laughs> I, know. I know your life is more than that, but it's kind of incredible. It's Talk crazy. about keeping it fresh. And now with the pandemic, no one can beat my really can beat my <laughs> my record. It's in it's in stone. I love it. <laughs> crazy. All right, so Donna's two friends have come to help with the wedding. All right, these they are. Characters. Uh, Tanya and Rosie. Talk, talk to me about these two ladies. Yeah, I mean, they're so extreme, right? They're so extreme. You know, the Rosie's the practical kind of, you know, 
get things done, serious a little bit more, but you know, she's a writer. And Tanya just marries people and gets their money and it goes from place to place. She's kind of a, hey, you know, a jet setter. Get that coin, girl. And get the coin. Get the coin. <laughs> and wears fabulous <laughs> clothes and, you know. The three of them were a girl group back in the day. Yeah. So, I mean, Donna and the don't Dimes. people love to watch, you know, people getting together back from high school? I don't know how you are, but I still am friends with a lot of my friends from high school. And, you know, you, you, you revert. You revert back. So I think that's the beauty of they bring... Uh, Donna's humanity back and her humor mm. and her fun loving part of her that that you see so you you get you know you always have to love your your heroine you know you've got to fall in love with them somehow or sympathize with them in some way and I think those girls help her do that that's so true I hadn't thought about that if it wasn't for these friends she'd be completely Hard. stressed out about her daughter getting married right. and even more stressed out because the three men that could be the girl's father are showing up right like where where do we ever get to enjoy or see Donna her and enjoy see life. her and right exactly and you have to have that with a character if you're going to follow her and follow her story or Sophie's story whoever the story you think it might be sure later that day because now we're I mean this is like the day before the wedding right like we're we're yeah. there yeah it's happening mm-hmm. um the three men stakes show up high. <laughs> high stakes guys high stakes the writer wrote some high stakes <laughs> this isn't six months away this is the day of day before we got Sam, who is the architect, mm-hmm. right? Who you who mm-hmm. you mentioned before that had designed the the taverna. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Harry, who's like a, a British banker. He's mm-hmm. a well off guy, a uh, very put together. And then you got He's like gay uh, and and has a family, which Hallelu, I always love la, representation. La, la. Yep. And then you got Bill, who is like a bear <laughs> grills. Outback kind of guy, yeah. Yeah, he's an Australian writer and adventurer. Mm-hmm. Traveler, yep. And all three of them show up. They don't know why they're there, but they assume that Donna wants them there because Sophie wrote the invitation to sound that way. They're invited, yeah. They very quickly realize that that is not the case when <laughs> Donna shows up and immediately breaks into, I've been cheated by Are you. you. <laughs> Another great, like, launch into a song that yeah. I think the audience just loves. Oh, God, it's great. Um, yeah, I love the fact, and I love how they staged it to be the men are frozen, and she can experience the craziness of what's happening in that moment by them freezing and not, and her allowed to, you know, be t- telling the audience what's going on, you know? It's pretty, you really totally. get to see what her, what's going on underneath for her, which is really a fun moment, especially to play. Okay, question for you as an actor, Mm -hmm. because I find this to be really challenging with jukebox musicals. Mm -hmm. Second verse, right? In in musical theater, the material is supposed to be always constantly pushing the plot plot. forward, Mm -hmm. right? And that can often be found in the blueprint, in the lyric, right? Or even in the arrangement of the song. Mm -hmm. And so often with pop music, it's just meant to be a groove. You know, we launch into the song. You also get to see some emotional life of what the character is going through. So I think that that's kind of what happens in that second verse. Yeah. So that that was my question. Like, how how as an actor do you approach a song where you're like, I got a lot of song here and a lot of lyrics that kind of just say the same thing over and again. Yeah, they don't though. Actually, I was angry and sad when I knew, knew it through. I think you get some backstory of, of what's going on, so there's a little bit of exposition cool. with that, um, and the way she refers to specifically Sam and how that he becomes the focal mm. point for her, not just all the three dads, but you find out more so he was the one that broke He's her the heart. Sore spot. So you do find out you get some information in that song. That's cool. By the way, it's staged in the way it's you know um, 
way it's done. So I do think in that song specifically, it actually does kind of forward you along to go, oh, this is the guy nice. she was in love with. I love that. So it's all about specificity. It's all just getting it. specific I mean, either in the staging or, yeah, right. exactly. Everything's about being specific and how it affects you, right? So That's great. Yeah. Love it. Uh, we haven't even talked about poor Sophie's fiance, who's named Sky, and he's always hot and we love him. I but um, like, God bless them. They're getting married super young. And so they sing this great, lay all your love on me. Okay. Yeah. Can we talk really quickly about the London cast recording? Okay. Mm-hmm. Haven't listened to that in a long time. Yeah, I I hadn't either. And it's really weird. I just got to say, I really wish that you guys would have done a cast recording because it's got like this weird synth sort of uh, preset filter over the entire thing. And so it doesn't really sound like a traditional cast recording at all. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. It sounds like pop music of that period, right? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I, I I just wish that I had a recording of the show of how it, it sounds was really in the theater. Done. Yeah. yeah, theatrically yeah. done. Let's see. Let's jump to the night before the wedding, which is you know bachelorette party, mm-hmm. bachelor party. Mm-hmm. Sophie is now kind of in the she she did not think this through. Let's just no. say that right. Yeah, let's say that it's a mess. <laughs> it's a big old mess. Yes. She's going to each of these men mm-hmm. who are now putting the pieces together. Oh my gosh, am I your father? And so now they all think that they're her father. Right. Donna is still kind of upset about it, but the the girls are really getting her back into, like you said, into her fun, into yeah. her loving self. Yeah. And so uh, she has confidence. So you know what she's what's going on with her. So she has these confidence all the time. Exactly. And Sky is being taken to scuba dive Mm -hmm. for some pearls that have been put down in like this uh, sunken ship area Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because like that's the tradition Mm -hmm. or something. It's all of this stuff happening at once. Any of these songs your favorite here at the end of the first act? We got Voulez-Vous, Name of the Game, Gimme Gimme, Super Trooper, so many. Oh gosh, Super Trooper. (laughs) No, it was not one of my favorites. I'm going to be honest with you. You put on some white spandex and see how you like it. <laughs> White and you look spandex. I have the pictures to prove that you looked fabulous. <laughs> no, every single person that puts on that darn white spandex is like, really, really white spandex. So yeah, no, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, there super trooper is costumes. actually can be really fun because it's actually all the women playing on stage together, right? So it's supposed to be a party, them dressing up like they used to dress up when they would sing together, and so who of these three do you think made these costumes? Like Donna, Tanya, <laughs> every Rosie. single cast made up a different person. <laughs> every single cast. So um, I'm not thinking it was Donna. I'm thinking probably Tanya. Scratch Tanya these, seems to uh, be the one. Yeah, that that was always my choice. But everybody's got different choices, you know. Now at the top of Act Two, yes, Sophie's having this nightmare because she realized that this is that this this mess is a is a mess. Right. And it's the song under attack. <sighs> It's really Which kind, is a of kind of trippy. Kind of fun thing, right? Oh, absolutely! It's yeah. a great way. to I always thought open that was really two. kind of a cool way to do the dream. And it's really trippy because she sees Sky in the wedding in the dress. Wedding dress, yeah. It's weird. What do you think that's all about? Is you there know, some I like don't Freudian know. thing? I always thought it was kind of like wow, you know, because I always, you know, I've always learned that dreams are your perspective from all your different perspectives, right? You are mm. part of you in that dream. So seeing herself as 
she is Sky. Yeah, or she's yeah. Sky, or what Sky thinks. Does she see herself as how Sky does? Not want the big wedding, right? Is it this thing mm-hmm. like, oh no, it's coming, but projecting back at her? I gotcha. think it's her kind of projection a little bit. Now we start getting into the weeds, as it were. You know, we yeah. start really hashing out all of this drama and trying to find our, our way out of it. So, I mean, Sophie is kind of a hero for finally forcing these mm-hmm. grown-ups to have grown-up yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, the big one is, of course, with Donna and Sam, mm-hmm. which you said is, you know, certainly the sore spot in mm-hmm. her romantic past. I love One of Us. I think that that is a beautiful, I think it's my favorite song. moment that I sang in the show. Mm, really? I used to love singing that. It's, it's just, it's a, it has one of those yearning yeah. type of melodies. One it's of my just favorite so things beautiful. to sing in the show, actually, mm. was. That's great. Yeah. It then goes into SOS, uh, which is... Which the, is the hardest is a, thing to sing for. That is the hardest thing to make. Not the hardest thing. To, no, not 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 hardest thing to sing. It is the toughest moment because they're you know it's done where they're both in their own worlds they're talking to each other have this mm. argument but they're kind of both in their own worlds it, it, it all falls on your shoulders right. to make it work right 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 and so to make very specific about what's going on in that moment you know it's it was always a little tricky that's that was a hard moment i can totally see that mm-hmm. okay we haven't even talked about uh, Pepper and Eddie, who are oh yeah, with Tanya, who, with Tanya, yeah, <laughs> who are Donna's henchmen at the yeah, at the her, hotel. Her help, they're, basically, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. It seems that at the bachelorette party, that maybe something went down with Tanya and Pepper. Oh yeah, right? and that could play be played so many ways. Some people say they did. Some some Tanya say they didn't. I always thought it was better if they actually did hook up. And now it's like the biggest mistake of the life, her life, right? Tanya's right. life. Like, like, he does, he's like penniless. What I was think, I thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, higher stakes, I think, and higher, better better uh, emotional life if you actually did do it. And it's like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> and then there's more reason to put him in his place by saying, does your mother know? You know, then Which it's a little so bit funny. more to just squish him like a little bug, you know. But it, and, and yet it's a true cougar moment. I mean, it's, it's oh, awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Totally is. Sky by the way, he found the pearls, just in case anyone was wondering. He did find the pearls. But he has found out what Sophie has done in terms of inviting these three guys. And he starts to question if this is the only reason that she's marrying him in the first place. Is right. this the only reason you wanted to get married was so that you had an excuse to figure out who your dad is? Mm-hmm. Which is a legitimate question. Yeah, it is for him. I mean, I guess really it's about being the honesty up front. She wasn't really honest up front with him. I think that's more the question about the relationship. It's that you weren't really honest with me. You know, mm. you didn't tell me what full disclosure and we're getting married. So, you know, yeah. it talks about, in, you know, in so many, so many different types of relationships, the honesty, Donna not telling her daughter about the, the dads, you know, about really coming out and being truthful and honest when you're in a relationship. Which I love that even when you are super empowered or that, you know, you don't need a man to complete mm-hmm. your life, you're still learning lessons you know what i mean you're still learning about how to be brave enough to have the tough conversations yeah or uh be brave enough to tell the truth Mm -hmm. even if it's just to yourself it's that's kind of the undercurrent relatable yeah totally and i think that's that's i think that's one of the beauty that the show the show um reveal that how how do we operate in our relationships and how honest we are in them and honesty is usually the better route to go I know that it's fluff and all this stuff, but there is an undercurrent of that. It really does open people's eyes in a way that's fun-loving and light, but it does deal with very heartfelt issues. 
One of my favorite heartfelt issues is coming up, which is when Donna helps Sophie get ready for the wedding. I just got choked up thinking about it. Isn't Ugh. that funny? It's uh, even such after all a that. beautiful moment. They're not really, they're, they're, they're angry at each other. They fought. And she comes to ask her for help for her wedding. Uh-huh. And it's not really something Donna is not approved. She knows she doesn't approve of it. But she, right. she asks her and they both kind of come together because what they have as mother-daughter relationship is so lovely and beautiful. Right. It was such a beautiful moment in the show. I mean, it just really is. No mom can come and see that show or parent can come and see that show and not know what slipping through my fingers means. Hmm. It's a song, a reason. by the way, that I didn't even know. I just, didn't know that Abba just, song at all. When she, you know, soup egg and, you know, when, when you see kids grow up and I don't have any kids, but boy, I'll tell you, I felt like I did then. And mm. I would have more countless people come up and say that moment is just tears me apart because it goes so fast, you know? Wow. Um, life slipping through our fingers, you know? We can all attest to that after. <sighs> after this year and a half. After this past year. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about The Winner Takes It All. This is a powerhouse song. And I and from what I understand, it was the song that Judy Kramer thought, this has to be in a musical. Are you kidding me? Wow. It's, oh, I didn't know that. I've never heard that said. Okay. I, I That's what I read, that she heard it and just thought, this is an 11 o'clock number. I just love the, I love the fact that it says winner takes it all. She never says you, you, you know, you, you know, you know, we talk about it, but when you say winner takes it all, it's almost this, this time of saying, um, I let you take so much of my life. Without, oh, wow. Right. I let, I let you do that. I allowed you to do that because I pined over you. You walked away, which she thinks he did, right? He mm-hmm. came back. She doesn't know that part of it, right? Mm-hmm. But someone that lied to her, Donna lets it, lets it eat at her for years and doesn't get in another relationship because of it. It's, to me, it's just a heart-wrenching moment. I think for the first time she allows herself to feel that. He who took everything away from me, and I let you do it. That's profound because it's not just shame on you, it's shame on me. Oh, it's more shame on me. Yeah. For me, it's more shame on me. Really and truly, wow. it becomes so specific about that. I think there's such an angst and such an anger about what Donna has let herself go through and because of hanging on to someone that hurt you. You know, I let you take it. You, I let you be the winner. I let you right. do that. I'm not going to do that anymore. And it's the moment she says, no more. We're not talking. You're done. I'm out. You're, I'm cutting you out. Whew. And he leaves. And and so he leaves, right? And it tears her apart. Yeah, it's pretty profound, actually. And also to think, I mean, going back to ABBA, the group, they were dealing with their own divorces within that group. And then this song gets written and recorded. Like, can you imagine? Crazy, right? Holy cow. Yeah. Now, Rosie, uh, our, one of our BFs, she is with Bill, yeah. Mr. Australia. Right. And he's upset because they all wanted to walk Sophie down the aisle, right. right? Right. But in a really beautiful decision, Sophie has decided that Donna will be walking her Which down the so aisle. Great. And Bill feels kind of bad about it. And Rosie tries to cheer him up, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely an attraction that's happening. And I think what I love so much about this the most is that it's it's fun and it's playful, mm-hmm. but it's like a chance to open your eyes to something that you might not have seen before. I was right in front of you and you yeah. had no idea. Yeah. That's sweet. Like, you know, do you ever see that commercial? I think there's a commercial about an iPhone 
and some this girl's walking through in the iPhone, and this gorgeous man walks by, and it's like something like you know you missing things, right? That oh sure, this, you know this is a moment where they're both going, huh? Oh, wait a minute. And at first, I don't think Bill does. It's not the typical typical person right. he would probably see himself with. So there's all these little gems that I think are really cool about life, life little life lessons. Open your eyes. Maybe that person is okay for you. Maybe that's that. Maybe he's the one. That's so sweet. I love that. Mm-hmm. What a great perspective. Mm-hmm. All right. So the wedding begins. And look, I love a musical. You know I do. <laughs> um, because especially when a musical ends with everybody in a courtroom talking to a judge. Yeah, right. Or, or at in a, a wedding. Chapel. <laughs> or the- exactly. Donna acknowledges to everybody present that Sophie's father is there, but that she doesn't really know which one which is. one of them it is mm-hmm. and it's this beautiful moment of sophie realizing i guess i could do 23 and me and figure it out but i don't really need to know care exactly i don't need to know uh, i know who my mom is and all three of these guys are Amazing. willing to be a third of her father. Right. And they and like, how awesome is that? <laughs> right. So it's, once again, it's redefining what we think family is. Mm. And for me, this show appeals to mid-America, the regular kind of regular Joes. I think that's one thing I respect a lot about the show. It does make all of those, those things okay. A gay marriage with wow, children. I hadn't even considered this. You're oh, so right. It, it's okay. Family. The definition of a definition of family is not the typical stereotypical what we think family is. It's a mother and a daughter. It's a two men and children. It's, um, you know, maybe a couple that won't get married, but they're together and they've invested themselves. You know, or or it's having three dads and not one. You know, it's just. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's really the beauty of the show. And I'm going to say something that's not so great, but I think the movie copped out on that when they didn't do the gay, um, the game Harry at the end. Reveal. Mm-hmm. I was I was upset with that because I thought our show appeals to a lot of middle America and people that don't experience stuff like that. And so I think it was really an important thing. And I think our show makes it all acceptable. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I know that's uh, you're putting it on a show that everybody thinks is fluff, but I do think that's really a big part of it. Without slamming it, uh, without with doing it in a loving kind of high, high light way, a lot of things get get dealt with. It's just a little bit of exposure that Correct. maybe wasn't there before. Right. The last time I went and saw the Phantom of the Opera, which I hadn't been to in years. Mm-hmm. And I, I got like a super cheap ticket in the back at the, the very top of the balcony. And I was sitting next to a guy who, no judgment at all, was wearing like basketball shorts and flip-flops. Uh-huh. And was there with, <clears throat> I don't know, he'd been dragged along with his family. Yeah. And I'm sitting there watching the show, which has three, count them, three different opera sections. <laughs> <laughs> one that's like Mozart, one that's, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more contemporary. Puccini. And I'm sitting there thinking, Android Weber is a freaking genius because he got this guy to come and sit and watch essentially opera. Right. 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 And in a similar way, I see what you're saying here with Mamma Mia it's is exactly that you're right. getting people into the theater and experiencing something and they honestly don't have any idea they and don't it's pretty know it. brilliant that's right that's what i i really think that's what when i when i think of this and able to do it for that long it's because i was very proud of that hmm. redefining roles 
redefining how women are seen, redefining mm. how what we think of family, redefining all those things without hitting you over the head with it. It's not about that. It's not about race. It's not about anything. It's just sure. about people going through life problems. But it also, you know, tells you a lot about relationships and honesty in relationships. And that's what really always came to the forefront for me. And that you leave people with a good feeling and they walk out the door. Which leave people better than when you found them. That's right. Is there any better mantra? Right. I mean, so they maybe learned something along the way. So they got it, hit their hearts, the slipping through my fingers, the relationships of losing people, what that feels like to lose, you know, someone along the way or feel like you're losing someone. But yet you walk out the door and you partied and you feel like, okay, I'm, I had fun <laughs> and I had a great time. But you, you got a lesson along the way, whether you knew it or not. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Look, I am walking away with so much respect. Truly. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, good. Truly. Good. Now, before we end, can you talk to us about the finale, the, the, the bows and everything? Because yeah. I mean that... I mean, exhausting. Let me just tell you that. Can I just tell you like five show weekends were no joke on a rake stage were no joke. I mean, I don't know how sometimes I did it or we got through it, but you know, uh, the highest point of energy is at the end of the show. Wow. But you know, it's contagion, right? And then when you see audience members getting up and dancing with you, I mean, it's, it's joy is contagious. Dr. Footlights, right? Everybody says, oh, I don't feel like you've heard that expression before, right? Dr. Footlights. Yeah, Dr. Yes. Footlights. So I you know, say you know, laughter, same with laughter. Yeah, laughter. But you hear that music and you hear people go, I remember the first time we were in the trap. We were getting on board. We got up. We had Darn Out Quick Change and we were all getting ready in our poses. And Carolee. For the lift, right? For the, the lift. lift and Carolee and I looked at each other like, what's that? What is that noise? What is, what's going on? It was the roar of the crowd coming up. <gasps> we had no idea. We didn't, we, we weren't ready for it. We didn't, you know, we got on a train that was moving. So we wow. were a replacement cast. So we com- got sure. on and was like, holy shit. It was like, <laughs> what's going on? This is crazy. That can't help but lift you. Oh, absolutely. It lifts you. And it happened every single night. Wow. Every wow. single night. So as you're coming up this trap, you're hearing these people going, I love that. You know, screaming mm-hmm. at the top of their lungs. Losing their minds. Yeah. So, you know, it felt good to give. And I think that's why, like I said earlier, it's Mamma Mia was a family because I think we passed joy along a lot. You can't walk out and not feel good. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this, Judy. You're welcome. You're welcome. This it's fun. It was kind of fun revisiting it again. You've brought a lot to me and I think a lot to everybody who's listening. Oh, good. I'm glad. As always, if you have recommendations for shows you'd like us to cover on a musical theater podcast, you can always email me at amusicalpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at amusicalpodcast for more great content. And be sure to subscribe to Patreon! Exclamation point! Where for only $1 a month, you'll not only support the show, but receive bonus episodes and content as a huge thank you. Coming up for subscribers is a special Halloween episode of Listening Party where we'll gab our way through the Terrytown cast recording with its writer and composer, Adam Wachter. It's a really fun conversation about this little show that's loosely based on The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and starred Andy Mientis, Jeremy Jordan, and Krista Rodriguez. So get super excited about that. We also have a tea Public store, so there's just so many ways to connect in this amazing podcast community. Uh, hey, Judy, how do we follow you and everything you're up to? 
Well, I don't. I'm not such a plugger. I'm, I'm really bad at that. Oh gosh, that's awful. But I, I do Instagram. Um, I have a the one who actually, it's Judy McLean, Mama Mia. It's a fan that runs it. She, she knows. She's usually telling me people what I do more than I do. So <laughs> if you want to know what I'm doing, go to Instagram and follow her. It's oh Judy gosh, McLean, we'll Mama Mia. But I don't run it. Sure. I don't do anything. Yeah, Olga, this girl. She lives in Russia, by the. I mean, it's crazy, but she's like you know. She doesn't she even live connected, here. Yeah, man. she's connected, right? But um, and also, I do have a website which I have not updated for years because my domain name got stolen. What? Yeah, JudyMcLean dot com got stolen when I when I was doing Mommy by an Uber company because it's just getting just enough hits, so it crashed and I lost everything. So I've got to redo that. But I'll get oh, back to that. JudyMcLean, JudyMcLean dot net. Fantastic. Uh, thank you again. And another special thank you to Five Star Theatricals. Check out Mama Mia October 15th through 24th. Oh. And to find out more information, go to their website, five, as in the number five, fivestartheatricals.com. Good luck, Kim. <laughs> Break all the legs. Break all the legs. Uh, thank you again, Judy, and everyone out there. You can dance. I don't you know. I don't know how to end it. Give it. You Come are on, the dancing Judy. queen, young and sweet, only 17. I'm dancing. Oh I'm dancing gosh. in the aisles. I should have warmed up. <laughs> <laughs> Morning voice. You're amazing. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.